Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to another Seen Any Good Films Lately podcast, reporting from the 65th BFI London Film Festival. So yeah, we've seen some pretty good films lately and spoken to people who made them, starred in them and watched them. We all have a story to tell. But what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. I heard Rufus Buck was back. So ain't no rule to ask a friend to travel. You think Destiny's coming to you? We knew there was this place called Greenham Common with foreign missiles on our soil. We had to do something. We knew we were crazy, but we had to do it. I didn't choose golf. If Marit chose me, it was destiny. Ah! Sorry! Guest critic Egrain will be talking me through some of her festival highlights. I'll give you some of mine. We'll hear from a Nobel Peace Prize winner and we'll get a taste of some of the stars I've spoken to who'll be featuring in the show over the next few weeks. Yeah, what can I say? It's, it's, it's a, a part of my life. I grew up with him. I, I was lucky because uh, he arrived when I was a young boy, so I was, I was excited and enthusiastic because I was young. So let me just tell you if I've seen any good films lately as I run through some of my LFF highlights. Belfast is certainly one of them. This is Ken Branner's Roma, if you like, a look back on his childhood growing up in Northern Ireland in the summer of 1969 as the Troubles were just beginning. It won the Audience Award at Toronto last month and that's often an indicator of awards success. Slumdog Millionaire, The King's Speech, Nomadland, Green Book even have won there and gone on to glory. But more than that... Belfast is a lovely piece of film memoir work. It's sentimental, yes, but laced with threat looming over a happy childhood. It looks amazing in black and white. It's got the greatest hits of Van Morrison as a soundtrack and some bravura set-piece directorial flourishes from Ken. The kid, who's called Buddy, is really cute. Plus, there's a gorgeous performance from Katrina Balfe as the mother. It looks to me like the one to beat come BAFTA and Oscar time. Holy God. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. A lovely British surprise was The Phantom of the Open, which festival director Trisha Tuttle recommended as one to watch in her preview in our last episode. And I couldn't agree more. It's a real charmer of a comedy starring Mark Rylance as the world's worst golfer, Maurice Fulton, a crane operator from Barrow in Furness, who in 1976 entered the Open Golf Championship and carded the worst score in its long history. It's based on a true story, but this will give hope to terrible golfers everywhere and to all dreamers. Mark Rylance pulls a masterful comic performance out of the bag. He's ably supported by Sally Hawkins and sensitively, cheekily directed by Craig Roberts in the best Ealing manner, the underdog against the system. Watch out for this one, or as Morris would often say, for...
Okay, one of the programmes the BFI run during the LFF is a mentor scheme to encourage the next generation of film critics. I've been involved in this for a few years, welcoming fresh faces and voices onto my radio show when I was at BBC Radio London. I've left there now after 25 years, but that won't stop me. So let's welcome Egrain to the show and find out how her LFF went and if she's seen any good films lately. I saw, I'm going to start with the galas because they're the big showy, yeah. flashy lights. And there's none more showy and flashy lighty than um, Last Night in Soho. Edgar Wright's new yeah. film finally coming out in London where it was shot and made. And it's kind of in your wheelhouse, I'd say, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a horror. It is. It is a horror. And it's also in my kind of area because I am very into vintage style as well. Like I do love vintage 50s, 40s, 60s. And it is, you know, we've got the 60s coming through in it through flashbacks and dreamlike kind of trances. Visually, whole, I mean, it, Edgar Wright did what Edgar Wright does best. And that is using all technical kind of tools to create this immersive experience for his audience. And what's the story in this one? So we have Eloise, who is a budding kind of fashion designer. She is from deepest, darkest Cornwall, and she moves up to London and uh, moves to Soho. And she begins to realise that the bedroom she is staying in is haunted. And she... uh, through her dreams every night when she falls asleep she is transported back to the swinging 60s in london and primarily through the eyes of sandy who is an aspiring uh, performer and she gets involved with this bad bad man played by matt smith and um yeah we are taken through the seedy underbelly of soho where everything that glitters is not gold as they say you witnessed the murder last night but you believe this was a vision from the past the guy that killed her is still out there i have to stop him did you get to walk through current soho i have i've walked through soho many times um i've been going to london since i was really really young when i was going through my punk phase my older sister took me to soho because that was the best place you could buy leather studded belts <laughs> so I know Soho really well. <laughs> it's, I think it really helps. I don't know. I know Soho really well. That's you know, if you're a film critic in London, that's where you spend most of your time. It's been I spent the last twenty five years, so it, it was great. And obviously, Edgar has as well editing all his films, and so it's where the film industry is, as well as the, the you know that used to be the sex industry and the the, yeah. the, the film industry and the uh, sort of you know the food industry and what all everything's mm-hmm. going on. Um, and I thought that captured that really well. Did you like the movie? If I look at it visually, it's stunning. It, I mean, it, it turns a bit James wan kind of towards the end. You know, you've got that, uh, the quiet, quiet, boom, kind of scare tactic. Um, the only thing I had a problem with was perhaps its discourse on a certain member of society um, and kind of it monstrosized without trying to give too much away, monstrosizing, if that's the word, a certain kind of, members of society i was kind of a bit like eh. do you think it's too much to what to give away what what you mean in, in what in terms of yeah the... i think i think people need to see it because like there's well a twist at the end um yeah it's hard to kind of explain what i mean without giving it away basically <laughs> so there's like you know there's a lot of members of society as a whole that are kind of vulnerable and we think about it in like, the sex worker terms yes 
And there's a big tradition in horror where certain vulnerable members of society have been turned into monsters. We've got the monstrous feminine, we have the monstrous queer, when we think about films like Psycho and uh, Silence of the Lambs. In Edgar Wright's film, they make a monster out of, it's so hard to say without giving it away, but they make a monster out of sex workers. Yes. And I think he kind of straddles the line a bit. Mm, interesting. It is a 60s, you know, he does go back to what the 60s used to do to yeah. that genre, uh, I, I suppose, in some sort of mitigation to him. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked it, actually. I, I, some of Edgar Wright's films go off the rails for me, and this one actually kind of had a through line and, and, and kept toggling really well. And I thought Thomas and McKenzie and, um, well, Anya Taylor-Joy, they were both uh, terrific to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did, I, I, I did feel that Matt Smith didn't go as hard. I think he should have gone a little bit harder with his character. Yeah, he it was a bit sidelined in it in the end. Yeah. I think if he, he yeah. didn't have the full, but I mean, good to see some sixties icons in there. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Silla Black. Silla Black, Terence Stamp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Rita Tushingham. I don't know if you don't remember her. She was uh, she was the uh, she's had plays the mum in this. Uh, only at the start yeah. she's a 60s icon from A Taste of Honey and uh, lots of six sort of Soho 60s stuff little Edgar, little Edgar Easter eggs there uh, and references yeah. to those swinging 60s <laughs> what was the other big gala film you saw? I went to see Spencer the film about Princess Diana um, it's set across Christmas um it's kind of like a weird like christmas with the in-laws film yeah. um <laughs> I, it was kind of strange because i went into it thinking it was going to be a biopic like i hadn't really read anything it's not really my kind of movie that i would seek out they're over two days at christmas two or three days at christmas and it's a depiction of diana trying to grapple with the kind of rules that are forced on her by the institution of the royal family and also with how the media may or may not portray her. for you directed by pablo lorraine i don't know if you'd seen much of his previous work the chilean director he did jackie no, and jackie yeah no, um, no. <laughs> oh no well, i've seen a lot of his work at film festivals yeah. before you know starting out with tony monero yeah. back to the sort of overtly mm. political referencing of chile chile stuff and he did a film called no with uh, gal garcia bernal uh, but that's all sort of his sort of spanish language work this is obviously in the english language what did you think of spencer so when I went into it initially, I was like, it's going to be a biopic, you know, along the lines of like the night, was it Naomi Watts who did it the first oh time? Oh my around? God, that was a horror film. <laughs> so I went into it with that. And then the way Kristen Stewart plays uh, Diana is very, when you first come across it, it's very almost hammy, pantomime-like. But then as you get into the film and you start getting a feel for the film and for what the director is trying to get across, it all starts making sense and you start kind of not noticing her and the way she acts. I thought it was borderline horror film. It was borderline psychological thriller yeah. because we've got a lot of kind of 
intense moments where the camera's right on her face. We've got this, I know it's been compared to like, you know, the house has been like the Overlook Hotel. Yeah, many of us thought um, that. Yeah. Where she kind of gets lost in it. She feels like a prisoner. She's haunted by ghosts. So yeah, I definitely think it was a really good take on what was happening. And I liked the way the royal family wasn't painted out to be too good in this. You know, they were they were seen to be like holes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we didn't we didn't get to see them much. We just see Charles really, but the rest of them were sort of shadowy figures, and you sort yeah. of you know they didn't try and do impressions. It's not the Crown. I don't yeah. watch the Crown, but it, I, I, this isn't it. <laughs> so I, I assume this is not anything like it. I, I um, I'm with you. I thought that 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 it you know had all those horror things and psychological horrors. How did how did it play in when I, cause I saw it in Venice and people were a bit sort of oh it's about Diana it's going to be a serious treatment of her and this figure this sort of you know saintly figure the Queen of Hearts uh, and it, it, it it seemed to be treated quite reverentially and I'm just wondering how how it went down at, at the screening you saw. So everyone I talked to really really liked it mm. and they liked it for the fact that it wasn't reverential. It wasn't like all hell, Lady Diana and the Queen. And, you know, it wasn't, they weren't holding these characters in high regard. It was a very human way of looking at these people and especially her mental health struggles and what she was dealing with at the time. And so I think a lot of people received it really positively. Were they laugh? Were they laugh in the, in the screening? remember i think it was a few times i laughed yeah well this um, is it I, I i actually think it's if you do take it seriously it doesn't work but if you take it like a sort of almost camp gothic yeah. horror like a baby I jane think, thing then maybe it's I, like a a, a a whooping hysterical kind of cult classic so i wrote down while i was taking notes it reminded me of hammer horror because we've got the big creepy house, we've got the weird butler in Timothy Paul's yes. character, and then we've got, you know, as you said, the shadowy figures of the family and the weird locals. And that's what I got from it, that it was just pure hammer horror. Yeah, and I'm not sure that everyone's got that yet. No, I half expected Christopher Lee to come out at one point. I'd have loved Christopher <laughs> Lee to come out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Anne Boleyn bloody showed up, so... That's very true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the stuff with the, by the candlelight with the kids. I mm. I, I was very conflicted. I mean, I, I think it might be a supremely stupid and silly movie. Yeah. But it sort of knows it a bit, really. And I, I, But I'm not sure the audience were ready for that. I'd like to go to a screening where everyone does a sort of Rocky Horror thing with it and throws you know, food at her or, you know... Cause throws she, KFC. <laughs> yeah. She just wants to be normal. There you go. Have some chips, love. <laughs> Very strange, I think, that film. And I don't know quite what will happen to it. There are people sort of saying, well, Oscars, Oscar nominations for, yeah. for Kristen Stewart. Um, maybe. I'm not sure about that one. No. Was she any good? I could, she did the English accent. Okay. But it didn't sound like... It sounded like someone doing an English accent, not actually... Yeah. You said you did see an actual horror that fits into that like squarely into the horror camp uh this is a film that i missed in venice i had to come back a day early and this was the film i wanted to see the morning before i left and this is what happens at film festivals it's always the one you left training you're like ah how is this film and i i'd love to find out about it tell me what it is and and, and how it is so it is a film by anna lily amirpour of a girl walks home alone at night fame and it is called mona lisa and the blood moon it is kind of a supernatural fantasy uh we have this 
Korean immigrant who has been put into a mental asylum treatment center and she hasn't talked and she's uh, very violent. And then one day she escapes and we find out she has telekinetic powers. And it's about her kind of navigating her way through the streets of New Orleans while trying not to get caught. So we've got telekinesis, we've got New Orleans. I mean, we are, we're, we're right where, we're right where we need to be for your Anne yeah, Rice loving, Anne Rice exactly. loving self. If you were to get any sort of like horror gothic, it is definitely this film. And it's got a, quite a big star in it, hasn't it? It's not a... It does. It has Kate Hudson in it. How's she? Um, actually really good. Like, I would only know her from city romantic comedies. Yeah. And so I wasn't expecting much. But she's she's actually all right in it. I mean, she doesn't have to work hard. Like, I'm, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like she's really pushing herself. It looks like she's having fun with it. And I appreciate that in performances. And what's this director like, this Anna Lilliam? Was she the, the real deal in the terms of the horror community and the horror feminist community? I believe she is. Um, her debut, which was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, was the only vampire spaghetti western <laughs> that I've ever seen. And to put those things together and create what she did. And then it seems that she's carried on the theme in Mona Lisa. So we have another supernatural being who finds herself in some sort of landscape um before it was iran or in a a fictional city in iran this time it's in the real city of new orleans and it's about where they fit in the world and their very real kind of human emotions and how they have to deal with that as well as having these powers and i loved it i think it's great you know she she gives her characters dimension you know whereas before we had this vampire who's very lonely but you know she she kicks ass and she punishes bad people we've got this character of mona lisa who is inherently good but she tries to help people and also help herself wow great great recommendation by the sound of it is that your little the the film that kind of caught your heart the little gem definitely this one and then a documentary that i saw oh yeah was that in, um, yeah because London Film Festival is very good for documentaries but we're in a very golden age for documentaries you know there are many to choose from I've seen a couple myself that well, one of Mothers of the Revolution about the Greenham Common women yeah. uh, I think you found you found something quite different I did I um, just on the off chance I went onto the BFI player and it was one of the online screenings um, and it's called The Wolf Suit and originally I watched it because the little icon that comes up it looks like uh, the wolf suit from a film called Creep that is terrifying but it was not that it had nothing to do with horror the only wolf <laughs> but, uh, suit I know the only wolf suit I know and I might be going wrong is in um, Where the Wild Things Are when okay, he puts on his right. the night he puts on his wolf suit as a little kid right. you will get there you should read that to your, yeah. to your child so yeah The Wolf Suit is a very personal documentary by filmmaker Sam Firth and it's about her childhood and kind of her parents' relationship as they were leading up to a divorce. And, you know, her parents told her stories and her mother would tell her one thing and her dad would tell her another thing. And it's kind of this depiction of every, you know, all stories have three sides, their opinion, their opinion and the truth. And it's kind of this depiction. And what she does, does dramatic reenactment of these arguments that her parents had and then forces her parents to watch them and also to be in the same room as each other. And coming from a child of divorce, I was like, she's living the dream. <laughs> like, absolutely living the dream. And it uh, follows this narrative of, you know, she starts questioning whether her childhood memories are real. 
and it has this narrative that like are we ourselves as people ever really a reliable narrator of our own life and that oh my god <laughs> that sent me into like philosophy kind of dark black wormholes is like, this a british like, oh film is this a british filmmaker sam first it is it is it is set in walthamstow yeah is that a place it's just very that much a place is that a real place <laughs> did i make that up um yeah that is where it's set that is where sam firth is from east london yeah it's on, on the end of the train just train get the train just down there and off you go walthamstow right. um <laughs> <laughs> it's got a dog track and everything um great recommendation if i may if you want to follow that sort of family thing up sarah polly uh made a film called the stories we tell uh yeah sounds like it does sort of the same thing like if i'm algorithmically if you like yeah. that one you might like that one and that okay. film when i saw that blew my mind absolutely okay. uh, about five six maybe more ten years ago one of the the documentaries that i opened up the book for these kind of personal memoirs as documentary yeah. and i love that yeah. you can have documentary can do so many different things and it sounds like you've uh, exactly. found yeah. a really fascinating one yeah. the wolf and also you happened upon it which is Pure, did, yeah. that's festival joy right there that's exactly. that's like i wasn't expecting it and you ducked yeah. into something and and, yeah. and there and there you saw it and it really brought me such joy because i'm the kind of person like the only documentaries i will i will like watch are like on you know the exorcist or you know that kind of thing or true crime documentaries so in my head i was watching the wolf so being like so when do they kill each other <laughs> that doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> well you see that's you know as a critic you're you probably had a great taste of eclecticism and that's what festivals give you and you can't exactly, like everything yeah. but you have to sort of admire the craft in everything yeah. and you have to admire the genre that you don't necessarily go for like yeah. i probably should have asked you if you saw a rom-com and the, the they don't have that many of those at festivals <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> but you have to sort of kind of open up your mind to certain things exactly, you know yeah. and, and 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 get swayed um you certainly swayed me on the uh moon and, and uh, moon and lisa and the blood moon I, I i'm looking forward to seeing that and the wolf suit sounds a yeah. great shout i haven't uh, caught yeah. up with a young british documentary maker and that's an, an, an excellent shout did you hear any have you come away thinking from hearing some of your colleagues or what uh, people have been talking about like when you were around the south bank some buzz films what you get at festivals and buzz films you're like i cannot wait i've heard that's good i need to see that anything that's uh, that's been sort of uh, buzzing around your head because of that i didn't get to go to titan which i heard people fainted yes again. this is up your I street mean, as well yeah this I is mean, a horror that won the palm door so exactly. this doesn't happen very often either. I mean, and I loved um, her first film, which is Raw, mm. um, DeCorno. De Julie so, DeCorno, yeah. That's it. And yeah, I was like, apparently people were fainting again during Titan as they did in Raw. So I'm like, well, then you've got to see a film that makes people faint in the cinema. Well, the news is that France has just put that forward to it to be its Oscar nomination because they have Ooh. a big the, the French have a, like a you know like a song for Europe we have you know deciding who's going to go <laughs> yeah. through and they have it for their their film their Oscar submission okay. and they, it's quite a vexed kind of operation like which they yeah. try and read like which one of the Oscar voters is going to go for so they've yeah. gone for Titan which is quite um quite controversial because I'm not sure that's a sort of Oscar voter thing and yet you wouldn't have thought it would be a Palm d'Or winner so true, people yeah. and it's a, it's a horror it's a body horror you're, you're going to love Titan I should it think, is. you know, it's yeah. feminist gender bending. It's kind of, you know, mm. industrial. It's bloody. I watched. I didn't faint, but okay. I watched quite that a lot of it. You that fainted, no, right? that wasn't me. But I watched quite a lot of it through the fingers like this. Really? Totally. 
how did you feel about raw were you also like squeamish at raw or were yeah, you not okay? not not as much as this one actually oh, no okay. i mean i thought raw was was really interesting and fascinating and yeah. gory and bloody but it was right. in such a sort of fantastical realm that it didn't didn't scare me i know it's set on a kind of real campus but it it didn't yeah. didn't scare me. this one I, I i can't i couldn't watch some of it but in a really good way you know i did right. i emerged afterwards yeah. some of the sort of uh, there's some physical stuff in here like you know nipples yeah. getting pill pulled and i just that hurts <laughs> <laughs> so you will see Titan. it is all coming out all the films that you've mentioned will be coming out i don't know about wolf suit yeah. but we'll give the uh, release dates uh afterwards Igraine, it's been fantastic to have you on the show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, what will you do on your podcast about it? Um, I, I may do a brief run through of the kind of more horror ones I watched. I actually have a screener for Lamb, which was another film that I really wanted to see. Uh, me too. I've just just arrived. I'm going to I'm going to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm going to be interesting because I'm from like an agricultural background, so that's going to be interesting. Um, so yes, I will do a run through probably. I'm getting through my uh, October Halloween episodes at the moment. So, and what does a what does a horror fan watch? Uh, you know, for 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 fun when they're not watching horror, do they do they watch anything else? Do you watch like reality TV or what? What else do you watch? Okay, yeah, like you've caught me. I I will put on like uh, Great British Bake Off, like everything. I think I'm having a bit of a, you know, I've watched like I this probably blows people's mind although not a fellow critic but like i would watch up to 20 horror films a week and sometimes and also write about them and mm. do a lot of research so sometimes i just need cake to watch people <laughs> making cake are you watching the squid game no uh my second husband watched it without me so <laughs> oh you see this is it now but he had to do something while you're always swanning around at london's london's west end <laughs> in a film festival <laughs> exactly yeah but I've heard good things. Yes, we're watching that downstairs, and I'm and uh, don't you know? I don't know quite where I am with it yet because I'm is watching. It, it's I'm watching. Korean, is it? It is Korean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, it's got Korean all of that. Cinema. Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. it. Some of it looks like Parasite. You know, it's great, okay, and then some of it right, looks yeah. like Korean horror. Uh, yeah, it's got all of it in there. But I'm watching it with my son, who's twelve, and there's bits of it that you're just like, bloody hell! I'm not. Sh- I'm not quite <laughs> sure yet if he's ready for it. But you can only. Yeah tell when he when you know if he runs away screaming yeah. fine but there's some good shocking stuff in it yeah uh total pleasure having you on i hope you've learned some stuff i mean you know yeah. uh, to be honest <laughs> you don't, don't need much mentoring from now on um <laughs> but it is about deepening that knowledge it is about sort of taking things away and and about opening yourself up to stuff that isn't in your natural home Absolutely. and challenging yeah. yourself on taste and challenging yourself yeah. on like okay i'm an expert in horror but you know wh- how can i apply that to uh, costume drama or some you know sort of you know french social realism <laughs> or some romantic comedy some romantic comedies <laughs> but you, if you stick to festivals you probably won't have to deal with, with many of them although there was a lovely golf comedy it's not it wasn't romantic comedy it was a lovely golf comedy at the at the at the yeah. festival called the phantom of the open completely took me by surprise a that it was at the festival and b how good it was mark rylance is the world's worst golfer i mean a classic British Ealing comedy, you know, like Eddie the Eagle meets, yeah. you know, that that oh, sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, really surprisingly how much that's charmed me. Absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you so much. People want to follow your horror expertise and your horror passions. It's What a Scream. It's the What a Scream podcast um, on Anchor, Spotify, all that crap. And then on Twitter, it's at what underscore scream. Listen, it's been a real pleasure to meet you and I'm really glad we could get you on on the podcast. I hope you enjoy it and let's share 
let's share the love between Modern Scream and yeah. seeing any good films lately because you yeah. certainly have and you've given us a great overview of the London Film Festival real pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much she did great didn't she if you like the sound of Egrain, check out her podcast what a scream I was out and about at the festival gathering guests and interviews for films coming out over the next few weeks we've Not to save the stars till you can see their films, that makes sense. But here are some highlights. We'll hear from doc maker Matthew Heineman, whose film The First Wave documented the frontline trauma of Covid in a New York hospital. There's Ruth Nager and Andre Holland, who star in the beautiful drama Passing, which will be on Netflix soon, about two black women who pass as white in 1920s New York. And first... Here's Italian maestro Paolo Sorrentino again, who was here with his teenage Neapolitan memoir, The Hand of God. It's a movie about a boy that grew, um, grew up in Naples. It's different. So it's not about a city. There is the city because I, um, it's, it's an autobiographical movie about me and I grew up over there. But it's the city that I knew by chance going around my house and going around when I was a young boy. Yeah. Passing is rooted in reality because you know what? The, I don't know. The passing, the person passing, isn't doing the performance. It's society um, tricking themselves, really, because no, but the people who pass don't really change much about themselves. They just change the milieu that they're sort yeah. of in, and they don't lie. They just don't tell. Uh, I grew up down south in Alabama, and passing was some, a concept that we definitely talked about, knew about. Uh, my mother's a very fair-skinned woman, so oh. she she did, you know didn't pass, but um, you know we often sort of would joke about could she if she wanted to, <laughs> um, and so yeah, that conversation, the whole conversation around colorism is something that was was um, definitely one that we had in our household. It's interesting to talk about the film now, because, but yeah. at that time, it was so terrifying. We knew, we knew nothing about the disease. We knew nothing about how it spread. And so it was really a terrifying prospect to, to make this film. Yes, it was a full-swing, busy London film festival. London cinema roaring back to red carpet life, starting with the opening night gala of The Harder They Fall, which brought a whole new crowd to the festival, tapping into London's black community like I've never seen the festival do before. Jay-Z and Beyonce were in the house. And there was also the extraordinary restoration Europa, the first film restituted to the BFI archive that had been looted by the Nazis. And it was restored to them by the Commission for Looted Art. And I wrote a big piece about this amazing journey from Warsaw, where it was created by a husband and wife couple, the Themisons. Then they went to Paris, where they put it in a film archive. The Nazis then stole it and captured it. Then it ended up in the East German film archive. After reunification, it went to the West German film archive. And now it came here, restored digitally. And the nitrate copy is here. And it had its first showing in 80 years at the London Film Festival. You can catch that story in The New European. It's extraordinary stuff. So I really enjoyed watching Europa. It's only 12 minutes or so, but it is an avant-garde masterpiece with all that overlaid footage. Uh, I suppose you can think of like Un Chien Andalus or A Man with a Movie Camera, that sort of imagery. I also enjoyed Iranian film Hit the Road by Jaffa Panahi. Great music in that one, with one of the most lovable child performances I've seen in years. Riz Ahmed was excellent, uh, as he often is, in Encounter. Stephen Graham was bubbling over as a het-up chef in the one-take wonder Boiling Point. 
And this week, after its London Film Festival debut, I saw Mothers of the Revolution, a doc about the Greenham Common Women's Peace Camp between 1982 and 1987. It's amazing stuff, great story, scarcely believable at times, and really recapturing a moment in British history and world history when nuclear war felt a very real danger, with Britain at the centre of this. Two tribes go to war and all of that, Reagan and Gorbachev. And Britain was a nexus for all of this because we had the US warhead nuclear base at Greenham. We were home to this and it took a regiment of women to alert us to it and turn it around. Now, we are used to having major stars on seemingly good films lately, but we've never had a Nobel Peace Prize winner. So, hats off. And tension must be paid, because that's what we've got here. I caught up with Rebecca Johnson, who was one of the leading figures in the Mothers of the Revolution documentary, and who made campaigning against nuclear weapons her life's work during Greenham and after. Although, as she tells me, that wasn't her original intention. I went down to be there for a week just to help them out because they were facing an eviction <laughs> and ended up there for five years. So it's fair to say it became your life's work, really, what what came after. When did you realise, I mean, obviously you realised you'd have to be there for longer than a week, but when did you realise that what you were doing was having some sort of effect? I think for me, it I really began to feel that when 35,000 women joined us at Greenham Common on December 12th and 13th, you know, middle of winter, and it actually was sleeting in the morning, surrounded the nine-mile perimeter of the U.S. Air Force nuclear base. And then 6,000 of them stayed overnight. Many of them had not planned to. They just, you know, they were on coaches down from Scotland or Manchester or Wales, And they just told their friends, "Okay, go without me. I'm going to stay and close the base, which was the second day of that action. And it was the Monday and enough women stay that we completely blocked anyone going in in or out of the, the, the nuclear base. So suddenly the media actually was listening to us. That is just a taste of the very talkative and quite remarkable Rebecca Johnson, who you can hear more of on my Totally Wired radio show. If you go to the station's website, totallywiredradio.com, and find my show on the catch-up thing, you can find uh, a much longer interview with Rebecca there, and she's fascinating and, and uh, absolutely engaging as well. And Mothers of the Revolution is out now, following its London Film Festival debut. You can stream it from Monday, the 18th of October. Uh, let me just run down some of the films we've recommended on the show today. Last Night in Soho, that's out on October the 29th in your cinemas. Passing is also out in cinemas on the 29th of October and then on Netflix from November the 12th. Hand of God by Paolo Sorrentino, that'll be in cinemas on the 3rd of December. A lush thing to see on the big screen, but then also on Netflix from the 15th of December. Belfast will be on your big screens. They just moved that release date to February the 25th, just before the Oscars, so they're pretty sure that that's going to be featuring in the awards race. Spencer with Kristen Stewart, that'll be out uh, November the 5th in your cinemas. Titan that uh, Egrain was talking about, uh, that Palm Door winner will be out now on New Year's Eve, December the 31st. There's a treat. <laughs> Matthew Heineman's documentary, The First Wave, that'll be the 26th of November through Dogwood in cinemas. And Phantom of the Open, the golf comedy with Mark Rylance, uh, that is springtime, we're told. So real, uh, it was a real advanced screening uh, at the 
the London Film Festival. I'm sure there are many more, but that's just some of those uh, coming up in the next few weeks. So that's about it for this episode of Seen Any Good Films Lately. My thanks to Kate Dawkins, as ever, for editing it all together so beautifully. Thanks to my guest, Egraine, for her contribution and for giving us a real flavour of the London Film Festival from a first-timer's perspective. So many recommendations of films in there for you, and even a tip for the bake-off from Egraine. On my Totally Wired show, I was talking about earlier with that interview with Rebecca Johnson on there. If you go to the catch-up, you also get a movie tune of the week every week. I also give you that on my website, jasonsolomons.com. A movie tune of the week, something I've heard uh, as I've been watching films or listening to telly. I'm always shazamming and and, and picking up tracks for you. There were so many at the London Film Festival this year. I could have had something from Hit the Road, which has a wonderful Schubert score, and then some great Arabic music and old Iranian hits. But um, on my movie tune of the week on my Jason Solomon show on Totally Wired, I picked a Van Morrison track, of course, because uh, Belfast is full of them. So many of his hits. Uh, lesser known, maybe, some of them, but most of them you'll love and know. I picked Warm Love as my movie tune of the week, but there are so many. So I thought I'd go out from seeing any good films lately with something a bit different from Van Morrison. This is from Belfast. This is Days Like This. See you soon. You don't have no free loaders I don't get that case Well, that's nobody's business Where did you want to live? Well, my mama told me There'll be days like this One, no one steps on my dreams There'll be days like this